You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. All right, let's go ahead and get started. So, uh, Bruce, how you doing today? Yeah, healthy, alive, you know, usual, doing good. Fantastic. And we do have a very special guest today that's going to be joining us. And you have absolutely no idea what's going on. You got thrown into this about 10, 15 minutes ago, and we literally just met you. Alex, how are you today? Oh, I'm uh, I'm doing I'm doing pretty great. I'm just a little nervous that I've never never done this nah, before, so it. it'll be the first. Now nah, you, you'll be fine. Now nah, you'll be fine. Like I said, the best way to learn how to swim is just get thrown into the deep end of the pool. You'll start treading water. You'll be fine. <laughs> okay. So we were going to talk about a few things today, and and we kind of went over some stuff last night, Bruce. You had brought up some some stuff about the surveillance state and overreaching governments and technology companies, all that stuff. And we thought, okay, that's, that's a great topic. We should go on further with that. And we started writing things down and brainstorming after we went off the air last night. And I was fully planning on talking about that today. And then you sent me a DM in the middle of the night and you said, uh, it's nine 11. So it's, it's kind of important. It's kind of significant. So, um, mm-hmm. we should probably talk about nine 11. Now we did this last year and we kind of talked a little bit about where each of us was on that day and what we were doing. And, and that's just one of those days that you just, you don't forget that you don't forget where you were. You don't forget who you were with. You don't forget what you were doing because it's one of those significant points in history. It's, it's just that shock value that causes you to remember that kind of stuff. I mean, that's just the way that it is. And I mean, we can go around the room. We can kind of share each one of our stories. Now, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to let um, actually, Alex, I'm going to let you do this because first and foremost, you're the guest today. So we kind of like to let the let the guest take on some things. But I tell you what, before we get into that, because it's my understanding you were in New York at the time when that happened, correct? Yes, I was. OK, so we're, we'll get into that in just a minute. But first of all, why don't you kind of whatever you're comfortable with, give us a rundown, let the listener know uh, who you are, a little brief background on you um, and how you ended up here <laughs> sitting down talking to us today out in the middle of the California wilderness. Well, uh, I'm uh, I met I met a, a friend of mine that um, he does this for for living and uh, he he told me to come by and um, try this out. So I was like, okay, well, let's give it a try. But uh, how did I end up being over there in New York when that happened? Um, I was uh, uh, I was there for work and uh, I noticed that a, a plane was going down and it hit one of the uh, the towers. And um, I was just like, well, well that's kind of weird. Did they just build a, an airport there? And um, now I saw a second plane come and then it hit it. And then that's when I realized that this is a serious thing going on. And you start seeing the first responders and the uh, the military and everything was starting to show up. And uh, it was a uh, it was a very tragic day when what when that day happened. And I definitely would not forget that day. But, yeah, <laughs> it was a uh, uh, yeah, I just I, I still remember this, this disturbing things that is just uh, I definitely will never forget. And let, let's be honest, the the guy you met that does this for a living, he's, he wouldn't happen to be GP, would it? You just happened to run into him <laughs> when you were walking, you know, across the trail somewhere and say, hey, you need to come over and try this. Yeah, he found me. Uh, I was hanging upside down the tree and he found me. So he was <laughs> definitely my hero that night. <laughs> Fair enough. So, OK, you you were in you were in New York and you saw you saw the first plane hit, which uh, a lot of people I, I remember when that first one hit, but it didn't come out until later that evening. I mean, the people that were in New York, they saw it. They saw what had happened, especially the ones that were in uh, in, in in Manhattan there. They saw the plane hit the tower, but we didn't get, I mean, we're talking almost 20 years ago. It's 19 years to the day. The amount of smartphones was very, very limited back then. And camera phones were just kind of, it was, it was getting into everyone having a camera phone at that point. Not everybody even had camera phones back then, but mm-hmm. uh, we didn't get the video of that first plan hitting, at least the, the rest of us around the around the world, we didn't get that video until later on that evening. So we didn't know what actually happened. Everybody thought that it was just a mistake. You know, a, a plane got off course or, or it was coming down and it just, um, you know, the pilot lost control, something. That's what the speculation was when the first one hit. And I remember I was on my way to work that morning 
and it was all over every radio station. You couldn't get away from it. You couldn't get away from it. It was, I want to say it was 830 in the morning uh, where, where I was, I was in, uh, I was in Ohio and of course the same time zone. And I, I want to say it was 830 in the morning when I was going to work because I know it was morning because the first one had hit and at that time, I was working in a shopping mall, and and I was uh, I was in a Radio Shack. That's, that's my first job, right out of high school. <laughs> uh, you know, I was I was in college, and I, I was uh, I was working there, so I was doing college classes, and I was uh, also had a job. So I was one of those rare people that had a had a job, and I was also in college. But I remember walking in that morning, and of course, Radio Shack, we sold televisions, right? We we still this is before the flat screens and all that stuff. So I mean, we had like the big tube TVs oh, yes. and all that stuff, and so we were the only store apart from. From like Sears in the entire mall that had televisions. And of course, where we were, we had satellite feeds and everything else. So as I walked into uh, the, the, the shopping mall and I was headed towards uh, my store, I saw like everybody in the mall was like packed into the door. I had to fight to get through there because everybody was in there watching the TVs because no one could believe it. And once I saw what was going on and like nobody even saw me come in. Right. No, like nobody even saw me. Everybody was like laser focused on what was going on with the TVs. And once I saw what was going on, the second plane hadn't hit yet. But once I saw what was going on, I knew at that point that it wasn't a joke. And to be fair, I thought that I was watching a movie of some kind. But where were you specifically in New York? Were you in Manhattan? Were you in Midtown Manhattan that morning? Um, I can't really remember where exactly, but I know that I was on the other side of the bridge when it did happen. It was it was a uh, it was. I was young when when I when this happened, so I just can't really remember exactly too much about it. But um, but I do remember me seeing the first plane come and hit, and and I thought it was just I thought it wasn't real. And then as and then it took a while, but uh, you know the other one came in. But then uh, I ended up getting closer because I wanted to see you know if anybody needed help or anything like that. And and um, I did. I was I was be able to help out a lot of people. Um, but it it was just it was so much dust, so much like. I don't know. It was just so much does so much people injured, um, people asking for help. It felt like you were in a war zone. And, and, um, it's, it's just, it's very, uh, to this day now, just talking about it just gives me chills. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, still, I, to, to this day, I mean, I, I'm, I'm almost getting goosebumps right here to, to this day. Mm-hmm. When you, when you think about the time when they came down, they didn't come down till later on that evening, the towers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, when they did, I mean, just like it, it took like what three days for that dust to settle across Manhattan. It was crazy. It was it was absolutely yes. crazy. And, and they still I, found people uh, dead and I mean uh, alive in there. Yeah, yeah. Bruce, where where were you? I know, like I said, I know we talked about this last year, but I mean, obviously, this day mm-hmm. we we kind of mm-hmm. we kind of want to sit down and we want to discuss this. Where where were you at uh, during that time? What what was going on with you? Well, I must be the the youngest one here, obviously, um, <laughs> because I was still in school at the time. I, I remember um, I had just gotten out of the shower and whatnot. I was getting dressed, and um, I was. Bruce, this is a family show. This is a family show. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, nice to meet you, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting on the, the the living room, you know, sitting in there putting my shoes on, and I remember just being glued to the TV uh, because uh, they they were showing footage of the second second plane hitting. And I think it was I think it was right at the time like I was in front of the TV when the second plane hit. And I just remember, wow, this is it was just kind of like I I don't even remember thinking anything. I just remember being glued to it and just like watching in shock, you know. Uh, uh, Yeah. So that's pretty much all that was talked about that day at school. You know, every every room, it, it was just quiet. Like it was just quiet in the entire school and they had all the TVs on in each of the classrooms. They had the the, like TV mounted in the corners, you know, uh, uh, and uh, every every classroom had the news on. And that's that's pretty much the entire school day is everybody was fixated on that. I I had a uh, class member that died in there, too. I remember that we um, I I remember that was to this day, because, like I said, that was before the the smartphone stuff. So, I mean, I remember to this day, that's probably the most radios that I've ever actually sold in my life because every yeah, because everybody wanted to everybody wanted to know what was going on. Nobody had any smartphones. Right. This is before smartphones. And so no one had access to all that information. No one and and people, especially that worked around the entire shopping mall. Of course, you know, shopping malls, they're becoming a thing of the past now. But with other workers around the uh, around the mall, they had no TVs and they still had to work, but they wanted to know what was going on. So they were coming in buying everything we had, right? All the little tiny portable radios, all the little, I mean, it was the one day where I thought, hey, I'm actually selling the name of this business. <laughs> 
You know, it was actually Radio Shack that day because I, I was selling so many radios. We sold, I think, every single radio we had in the, st- in the store, every single one of them. People were buying boom boxes. They were buying uh, portable radios. They were buying the uh, like the, the headphones with the radios in them. You know, if you remember those. And yes. they, they were buying everything, anything that could pick up a signal from AM or FM channels. They were buying it. I, I remember that because every employee that would come in would, would want to, you know, uh, buy whatever we had. And um, that was that was a really bad day. That was a, that was a really bad day. And I, I do not I do not even want to begin to think where someone like yourself, Alex, what you were going through actually being up there and being in it, because I was several states away watching and, and, and I, I was in absolute disbelief. I was in disbelief the whole day. And, and I remember that businesses were being closed. I mean, they ended up closing our business. We went home, right? They closed everything down because everyone was of the opinion, look, just go home, be with your families, right? Because this is a bad day. This is a bad day. Go home. And that's what we did. And I, I remember the people came over to my house, you know, fr- friends and stuff that I knew that they wanted to see what was going on because uh, that's just what it was. And, and everybody came over. And we all sat there and we watched it, what was happening. And, you know, I, I think a lot about what happened on that day. And, and I look at where we are now. And I look at us from a safety and a security standpoint as a nation and as a world, because if you I don't know how well traveled you are, Alex, but if you travel very much around the world, we have all these security stuff or security checks now and things because of that day. Yes. And so I I think if we hadn't been hit with that traumatic experience, like, for example, especially the the types like yourself that were in New York. I mean, I remember seeing the amateur video, right? The journalists that were out on the streets at that time trying to get the story, trying to report the story that were in the mix of it when those waves of uh, dust and everything else were were coming along. And I, I can't help but think that because of the shock value of that day, that we are in the position we're in now because we blindly threw all of our common sense to the wind because of that, because of that, because it was, we have to do this because we have to take these measures to keep everybody safe. So this doesn't happen again. And so now here we are. Now we're facing a different kind of situation. We're facing a pandemic and now it's the same thing. We're being hit with that shock value and they're Mm -hmm. trying to, they're trying to clamp down again. And so it's, it's, uh, it's just another, I don't want to say it was, uh, I don't want to say it's, it's, I don't want to say it's intentional and get like conspiratorial here, but it's a sense of certain people and certain groups of people that are exploiting a crisis and not letting it go to waste. And they're, they're looking at it as a, uh, as a situation where they can grab control and, and keep it and they won't let go of it. Because like I said, now that they've had a good 20 years to get everybody used to the security checkpoints and things like that, which have done no good, by the way, I might add, they haven't caught a single terrorist since the implementation of the Department of Homeland Security in the airports. Not one. They haven't caught a single one. So until they do, I consider it to be illegitimate for them to even be in the airports. It violates your Fourth Amendment. You have no right to privacy. You have no right to security. You have no right to be secure in your papers, persons, and effects. Nothing. All that's all that's out the window with uh, DHS in the airports. All of it. So, you know, I, I guess I, I just look at that day as a, it, it was a traumatic day. Uh, and, and whether or not you were there, such as yourself, I mean, it hit all of us. It hit all of us. We know exactly where we were. We know exactly what we were doing. And, and I don't know what it is. Maybe you have a different take on this. I don't know what it is about those types of events, but we remember them. We, we remember those days. People that were around back when JFK was shot, right? I have a, you can't quite mm-hmm. see it, but I have a picture of JFK on my wall right there. And <laughs> people people remember where they were on that day. I've talked to people that have been around during that time and they know even they were they were little kids and they even remember where they were and what they were doing. They don't remember anything else, but they remember what happened that day when Kennedy was shot. So in your opinion, in your opinion, as someone who was at ground zero, why do you think these types of events leave such a, a, a watermark on us that we don't forget? I guess, I don't know. I mean, the way how I felt, I felt really felt really sad. I felt really hurt. I, I felt anger. I, the first thing I wanted to do was trying to help as much people as possible. And and then from then on, I wanted to join the military and I wanted to to, you know, to go fight for my country. But that didn't work out for me because I had an injury for my civilian life that I could not do. But uh, I've tried several years. And, and to this day now, if they do if, if we ever have a drafting, I'll be the I'll be one of the first ones that I'm going to go volunteer um, because I just 
I don't know. I, I just, it's very hard to explain when you, when you were there and you actually experienced this thing is, is very speechless. And I don't know, it's just, I don't know how else to describe it. That what, what you did, Alex, that is what I believe the, is, is America. That, that's what Americans do, right? How they go in and they help other people. And honestly, you were doing it, not even thinking about yourself, like your own no. safety. You, you were going in to help other people. Mm-hmm. And that that is that Americans are good. And this is the mindset that I think most Americans had, uh, at least then, you know, whether or not they still do. I hope they we do. still do. I hope we America still is still that. I that's what I hope. And I know there's a lot of people that still have that. And uh, I know, especially here in the Midwest, that that's the heart they have. But I want to commend you for what you did there, because that is not only is it an act of a hero, but honestly, that's that's an, uh, that's, that's America. Right. And it's just that's what Americans should strive to be. Right. Is not not even just in an emergency situation like that. We should be you know, working together, helping each other like, you know, in, in your communities or in, in, you know, in your local areas. We should still have that mindset of, you know, we want to help one another, you know, and, and that that's, you know, the, the division we're seeing that the, the media is trying to do and whatnot. It shouldn't take an extreme situation like that for us to realize that we're all on the same team. We may disagree on things like, you know, politically or what have you. But all that aside, we're we're Americans. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's just it's it's sad that you don't see much people helping each other out. I mean, to this day now, I still do try to help random people. So like that's how I how, that's how I really met him is. I helped him out when he needed it. And, and it was just the kindness of me. That's just, that's how I am. I, I like to help out others and I never expect something back. If I did need help one day and they're willing to help me, okay. But if they don't, then I'm not going to hold it as a grudge. Well, you're right about one thing. GP needs a lot of help. I mean, that's, that, that's, <laughs> that goes without saying he needs a lot of help. So yeah. no, it, you're, to, to echo what you were saying, Bruce, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, that that is America, right? That's what we do. We don't ask questions. We don't wait for someone else to do it. We get in there and we do it ourselves. Also, to echo what you said, yeah, absolutely. I agree that um, you should be commended for what you did by running in there because you didn't wait. You didn't ask questions. You saw people that were in trouble and you went in to help. That's what we do. And especially as, as also, as you said, Bruce, coming from the Midwest, right? That's what we do. We just take it upon ourselves to, to run in there when other people wouldn't. I, and I'm not knocking anybody that lives in the cities, but I worked in New York City. People just assume run over you up there <laughs> to look at you. You know what I mean? But yes. uh, it's I mean, that, that's just the, the attitude of people in the cities. But that doesn't mean when something like that goes down or, or something similar to that uh, goes down in a city, it doesn't mean that people won't come to each other's aid. Because in New York on that day, they did. They did. Uh, people largely didn't uh, didn't run. Yes, they were running to get away from the collapsing. I mean, I, mean, I remember that. That was terrible. But I think that was the uncertainty of it all. But after it came down, there was just like this. I, I, you were there. Maybe you can corroborate this. But it was like this eerie quiet with with all the ash and everything that, well, that just kind of it, it was quiet. But at the same time, it, it felt like your ears were ringing at the same time. It's just it's just too hard to, to bury, too hard to believe that this is actually going on. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that sounds more like it. Maybe I had to, maybe I had it in my head, but it just wasn't quite, um, you know, coming coming into uh, fruition there. But, you know, you, you'd mentioned there about the day that happened, you um, you wanted to go join up. I mean, that, that was the sentiment. I mean, that was uh, essentially it was a, it was a Pearl Harbor of our time, right, for our generation. <laughs> so mm-hmm. when you had that type of an event, I mean, same as Pearl Harbor, you had guys lining up around the block. You couldn't get into a recruiting station fast enough. Mm hmm. Same with this one. And then, of course, th- there were guys like myself and you know I, yourself. We, we were younger, right? We, we were younger then. I mean, I was 18 years old and everybody was like, when are you leaving? I'm like, uh, I, I'm, I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> uh, but yeah. different different reasons. I, I, had a, I had a different view on how I wanted to go with my life because, well, that's a different story. I'll get into that another time. I'm sorry to hear that you had some type of an injury from your civilian days that, that kept you from doing that. But you know something? I heard a vet describe this to me once. And, and I know my fair share of them. And he described it as, look, I'm a veteran. I appreciate you thanking me for my service, but 
serving your country is more about just joining the military. Serving your country is about standing up for it, about believing in it, believing in your values, your traditions, your culture, and and helping other people and lifting everybody in your community up. There, there's more than just joining the military. Yes, of course, you, you go out. Yeah, we thank you for your service and all that stuff. Yes, sure, absolutely. But that's not everything. And I think what you did on that day just proves that you're willing to serve your country. And uh, and I, I don't... Um, I don't think you should be too hard on yourself by uh, by <laughs> not you know medically uh, not being able to go in and uh, and give your service that way because you gave your service that day in other ways. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I had the same sentiment uh, when I was younger. Like I, I remember thinking I, I actually that's when I really started physically trying to get fit in in a position to where I could do exactly that and join the military. But by the time I had turned 18, things were starting to turn. There was a lot of questions as to why we were fighting the wars we were fighting and things were kind of, things were starting to get really political. And uh, I remember, I remember the, there was just a lot of turmoil there. And I I decided not to go into the military because of political reasons in the end. Okay. Um, Do you guys, do either one of you have anything else you'd like to, uh, to, to touch on there for your uh, your take on what happened on 9-11. Any, anything else at all? Well, I mean, uh, just just keep uh, remembering everybody that, who was there. And um, and don't ever forget the day that that happened, because as soon as we forget, then we will never remember that. Um, and uh, let's just continue moving on and try to make this country better and, and try to get everybody reunited again, because I just feel like everybody's just falling apart with all the social media and stuff that's going on. But I mean, at the same time, it's it's good that we have social media because a lot of the stuff that's going on in the world, we wouldn't even know it back then. So I guess it's it's just let's try to not let's try to get back everybody the way how it was and and um and try to not get lost. You know, you you bring up a really interesting point there. I was actually going to jump to something else, but I think you bring up a really interesting point. You say that you want people to get back to being united and not uh, not split apart, and and that's the agenda we see now is to split everybody apart. And we had made reference to this before, and I think this is a, a fantastic conversation to have uh, since you bring it up. And I, I said this not too long ago, Bruce, when we were talking about the way that these groups are behaving out there in the streets, the rioting and the the burning and all that stuff. Where's the sense of patriotism? Where, where's the sense of believing in your country? Where, where's the sense of national pride? It's not there. If you if you do that now, then you're called, pick your label, a, a racist, a, a bigot, a, a whatever, you know, a xenophobe, a, a fascist, whatever. Where is the sense of unity? Where's the pushback on the groups that are out there trashing the country? If you didn't believe in your country, if you didn't stand up and you didn't show a sense of unity after 9-11, then people thought there was something wrong with you. If you didn't have an American flag waving around somewhere, then people would say, hey, uh, you got some problem with America? That's the kind of attitude that was there after 9-11. Well, we're almost in another 9-11 style event now, but it's coming to us from a cultural aspect. It's coming to us in the in the form of a cultural revolution, the destroying of our monuments. Where's the unity around that? Where, where's the where's the stand up and push back to stop that from happening? You notice they kind of chilled from that for a little bit. Now they've gone to smash and storefronts. But where is the sense of, of patriotism? Where's the sense of community? Where's the sense of loyalty to to country? All these people that are out there in the streets, what are they out there chanting? No borders, no wall, no USA at all. That doesn't sound very patriotic to me. That doesn't sound patriotic at all. That sounds like a group of people that are hell bent on ending the United States completely, dissolving the union. And more than that, you have a complacent and a collaborator mainstream media that's on board with all of that. They give those movements cover. They give those movements credit, whereas they should be shouting them down. Bruce, you said it on many occasions here before, and I will echo. I'm sorry for stealing your thunder, but the media is supposed to be on our side. They're supposed to be on our side. We the people, you're supposed to be with us. If the media was actually doing their job, then we wouldn't be sitting here doing this right now, speaking out about it. We're speaking out on a real platform of truth, logic, reason, common sense, justice, the family, the country, your religious institution, whatever that might be. Whatever your religion is, doesn't matter. But faith in something that's higher than yourself. All of these things are being trashed by the mobs in the streets and the culture that's being promoted, or excuse me, the destruction of the culture that's being promoted on the television and in the entertainment business. It's a mess. It's a damn mess, and it's shameful. So 
I agree with you, Alex. Yes, we need to get back, but we also need to address those types of issues in order to get back to that, because that is a big roadblock that's standing in the way of all this. And I think if we can get people back on the track of uh, of that sense of unity, as you're talking about, then yes, we can have that back. We can get back to that. But the bigger question is, is let me ask you this. How would you go about addressing any of those issues as far as I as as I mentioned there? I mean, if I was in charge of trying to stop this, I would try to, you know, trying to get the uh, the military and stuff to to try to stop these people destroying things that people work so hard for. I mean, there's people that are still working to provide for their family and people going over there and still in their you know, breaking their, their business, destroying it. And a lot of people can't get back on their feet again. And um, it just doesn't make any sense of why they keep destroying things. Um, there's. I know that they're angry because of um, of of because they're black and stuff. But as me, look, I'm brown, and I still get to this day now. I get a lot of racism, but it doesn't let me bother me. I'm not going to go destroying things about. Um, but that's the way I would if I had the power to stop this. I I would definitely be getting military involved and stopping all these people to stop destroying these these things because it's not right. It's not right. And if these uh if these people don't like the way they're being treated and, and don't act the way that you're acting now because you're you're pretty much saying it that that's how you want to be treated. But I think everybody has an opinion for themselves. So that's the way I feel about it. You know, uh I'm I'm always the government is bad guy. And um, I, I would prefer the federal government to stay out of things, but uh, I've said it before. I, I agree with your your uh, take on this, Alex. We, we need the military to step in. We, we need the Fed to step in and start. These mayors, governors, they're not taking action in their own local level to stop these riots, um, the property damage, all that. So it's time for the Fed to step in. I, I mean, the, there's still a citizenry there that are peaceful that are innocent in all this, their lives are being damaged and destroyed, uh, in some cases killed. It's time for the Fed to step in and, and um, iron fist, man, just it, this needs to stop. So um, that, that that's my that's my fascist stance when it comes to this kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because. You know, when I want to go travel somewhere, I always have to make sure there's not a there's not a protesting going on. The uh, people are protesting on the highway or anything like that, because I don't want to be stuck there in traffic. I mean, I've, I've asked a couple officers like, you know, if this ever happened to me, I'm on the highway and a protesters right in front of me. I mean, what do I do? I don't want them to be destroying my, my property. Do I just ran them over? But they said that, no, you should have seen it from far, far distance and turn turn your yourself around. But how am I going to turn myself around on the highway? I, I, I just can't do that. But I mean, I guess to avoid issues, I guess just try to back up and, and stay away as far as possible away from these people. That varies by state. I know in my state, um, you're told if there's a protest and you're stuck in the middle of it and they're, you, you're afraid for your life, you don't necessarily punch it and just run them over. You push your way through. And mm -hmm. I mean, they're not going to be able to stop your vehicle, right? <laughs> Two ton vehicle, they're not going to be able to stop that. But or, you know, one ton, depending on the size of your vehicle you have. But nonetheless, if it gets to the point to where they're they're assaulting the vehicle, um, what they're saying around here is at, at that point, if they're like trying to break into the vehicle, then, yeah, you, you, you put a little bit more gas on there and get out of there. Um, obviously you don't want to, you, you want to try as best you can not to hurt anyone else, but if it comes down to it and you're afraid for your life, your, your vehicle here in this, in this state, we, we have a uh, castle law and your vehicle is considered your property. Uh, so if they're trying to break into the vehicle and, uh, you know, whatever harm you rob, whatever, then you can take actions to defend yourself and, and you're within your legal right to do that, uh, here. So obviously you'll have to, know what the laws are in your own state but generally speaking the the general uh generally what you said if you can avoid it avoid it if you can't avoid it and you have to go through that don't stop but don't punch it either unless it's like dire okay you know it's an interesting point you uh you bring up there about the highways and they're still i think even they're doing it now bruce aren't they they're still blocking those highways and yeah. 
I've seen videos now. This is obviously it's not going on everywhere, but we saw videos of I think it was it was the highway that was just outside of I believe it was Aurora, Colorado. Does that sound right? So we we saw a video of what was going on up there when you had thousands of them, thousands of them out there on the freeway. On the freeway, and you've had uh, cases down in Texas. You've had uh, cases in uh, in New York. They they blocked in uh, NYPD officers. What are they supposed to do? Wow. Yeah, what are they supposed to do when, when all this started? And they're out there with their skateboards, smashing in windows of, of cars. And I've seen I've seen now this is not in all cases. I've seen a couple instances where they open fire on the driver of the vehicle just for no reason. Yeah. J- just for no reason. Yeah. They just start shooting. What are you supposed to do? What on earth are you supposed to do? I've heard the 911 calls of of terrified people in the car calling the police and they say, we've been told by the city mayor to stand down. What are you supposed to do? What on earth are you supposed to do? They've got small children in the car in some cases. What are you supposed to do? I've had several just people tell me. Yeah, exactly. I've had several people tell me I'm not stopping. Right. I'm going straight through because what are you I mean, what are you going to sit there and, and wait for them to, uh, you know, to drag you out of the car and, and beat you to death? Because that's what they'll do. That's what they'll do if they're not stopped. So yeah. uh, th- those types of things. Uh, I'm sorry if you're in the middle of the road, you're not supposed to be there. You're not supposed to be standing there. Mm-hmm. What are we told from a, a young age? Th- this just shows where these people are coming from. They're coming from broken homes, from parents that didn't give a damn about them. Uh, and, and you know what? Do you know what would happen to someone like me growing up? If I was out there playing in the street, and my parents caught me. Oh, man, they would have tanned me from here to the moon. I'm telling <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah. And so guess what? You learned not to play in the street, right? You yeah, learned yes. not to play in the street. If you lost your if your kickball went out there in the street, stop. Look both ways. Look back again. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Have the neighbor have a grown up go out and get it. Right. If if uh, if it's too busy of a street or something. Right. Don't do it yourself. These kids didn't have any of that. They didn't have any of that. Right. They were brought up with uh, with parents that didn't love them. Or, or whatever, or no parents at all. They were given participation trophies. They were never allowed to fail at anything. And so now as a result, they're out there running amok. They're, they're out there running amok. It's shameful. It's, sh- it's shameful we've gotten to this point. But yeah, as Bruce said, you check your check your local laws. I'm assuming you, and we haven't really talked about this, I'm assuming you live around uh, LA, yes? But right now, yes, I am in LA. Okay, you're in LA. <laughs> what, are they having a party there? Uh, here, yes, they're uh, they're yeah. snake snake uh, eating some ice cream and stuff. They're having a, oh, a good time here with their family. Yeah, okay, all right. Well, we won't knock anyone having a good time with their families because we believe in families here. So it's yes. good that people are actually out enjoying themselves and enjoying this. It's uh, I mean, if you watch the news, you'd think that everybody's uh, you know at each other's throats and everybody's killing each other in the streets, but that's not actually what's going on. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that you know, uh, you know, at first when this uh, pandemic happened, I mean, yeah, I was really just stay at home um don't go anywhere don't do any hikings or anything like that but uh i just started realizing that i don't believe a lot of these numbers that they're saying is really true um i think that they're they're just trying to get everyone scared and i mean just just recently uh they just had the uh the surges rally i'm not sure if you're familiar with that it's one of the one of the largest motorcycle rallies there's a lot of people there you're not hearing much about a lot of those people getting sick. I mean, yeah, they were monitoring these people through their phones to make sure, you know, where exactly they were going. But you're not hearing much about a lot of those people getting sick. I think it's just it's just a very bad flu. I mean, yeah, there is a virus out there, but um, I think you I mean, we'll just be fine. Uh, the biggest key is, is just try to take care of your immune system um, and your immune system is, is the it's a it's a big thing to help out with this virus you know a lot of people don't take care of their immune system because they're you know they're always eating unhealthy they're obese um and etc so i mean that everything starts from the gut and if your your body's not capable to, to if you're not preparing your body to to help out with this with any type of virus out there you are eventually going to get sick. That's uh, that's one of the things we've been talking about from the start of this thing. I'm, I'm like, OK, you see all these health experts come out like uh, Dr. Fauci and, and all these people like, uh, uh, of course, and then you got the vaccine pusher like Bill Gates. Right They're They're all coming out and they're all telling people what to do, but they're not doing exactly what you just said, which is where's the talk from any of these quote, experts that are up there on the television about boosting your own immune system. Where's the talk about exercise? Where's the talk? Because you have to have it. Where's the talk about eating healthy? Where's the talk about living the healthy lifestyle? And I'm not talking about this 
this, this vegan stuff, and I'm not knocking anybody that is a vegan. Where's the talk about vitamin and mineral supplements, the things you have to supplement because you don't get it from a regular diet? Where's the talk about what vegetables you need to be eating, what fruits you need to be eating in order to get this particular vitamin or mineral from it, or this animal protein that you can't get anywhere else, right? The, the sources of zinc that you need, that you get from animal protein, though it is in smaller amounts. But where's that talk? Zinc's been one of the key things in all of this, right? If you look at the way that a lot of these doctors that are being shut down, a lot of the things they're using to treat these patients, zinc is involved. Zinc is essential. If you don't have zinc, you die. So you have to have a, a form of zinc in your in your diet and in your um, your intake. And so n- none of this is being talked about. Where's the vitamin C talk, right? Vitamin C is amazing. It's, it's incredible. It's almost, I don't want to say it's a cure-all, but... There's a lot that vitamin C can do. Where's the talk about that? There isn't any. There isn't any. And, and it's it's shameful. The only thing we're being told is shut up, do what we tell you, wait for a vaccine. Oh, and we're going to close all your businesses and you can't go to church. That's what we're being told. We're not being told all of the common sense things like you're talking about. Yes, people should be reminded about hygiene and things, of course. Right. Of course, because those are essential to fighting viruses and bacteria. Sure. You shouldn't overdo it. Because if you overdo it, everybody knows if you wash your hands too much, right? I grew up with people that I knew in the health industry, and they're always saying they always told me growing up, don't wash your hands too much. It's a bad idea because you'll kill all the bacteria and then you will be more susceptible to illness. So of course you want to practice good hygiene. You want to do that by default. You want to eat healthy. You want to get your proper amount of exercise in. You know the the average nutritionist out there and the average physical fitness trainer, right? Or expert, whoever, every single one that I've ever met. Right. Every single one I've ever met, everyone I've ever dealt with, they've always said you should run at least one mile or walk one mile a day, one mile a day. That's it. That's just just to maintain proper health. One mile. That's all in kilometers. That's one point six for the for the international listeners. So these things, these things are the most basic upkeep for your body. If you have a healthy system, right, if you're a healthy individual, if you live healthy, if you exercise, if you eat right, you do all these things like you're talking about, then you will naturally be able to fight off infection if you do contract something, right? You'll be able to stand a better chance. They're not talking about any of that. And it's shameful. It's absolutely shameful. No, I mean, that is very true what you're saying about you have to at least walk a mile. I mean, this not just being about your, you know, your your health, but it's very good for your spine. That's why they don't they don't teach you this when you're young. But when you get like when you're 60s, 70s and stuff, you start the doctors are start recommending, hey, you need to start walking at least um, like around the mall or something like that, you know, take a couple laps every morning. And it, it is very good for you. But but they should be telling those to the to the younger generation. So when they get much older, it will definitely help them out. But that's just one thing that they just lack on giving it that information. That's a that's a great point too. Um, one of the other things they they fail to to mention is you also need a good uh, good amount of vitamin D. Um, there was a research that just came out. Um, geez, what seven eight days ago now. Uh, University of Chicago, specifically involving COVID-19, they're saying if you're vitamin D deficient, uh, which lockdown, you know, vitamin D deficient, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand there. Vitamin D you get in sunlight. Um, They're saying if you're deficient in that, you're twice as likely to test positive for COVID-19 when when you're exposed to it. Whereas if you have the uh, recommended amount of or sufficient levels of vitamin D, you're less likely to have a positive test for COVID-19. So, I mean, we've kind of known this for a long time. We kind of already knew this with a uh, coronavirus in general. They, they don't do well against sunlight. So it's kind of kind of stood to reason that maybe we shouldn't have locked down and shut everything down. Uh, you know, I, I, I did that in the beginning because we didn't know, right? We were being told it's a novel coronavirus. It's novel. So we were, you know, we didn't know what it was going to do. But I, I think we were being fed a little bit of a lie there because... One of the things that the media kept saying, well, it's a, well, we don't know what this is. It's, it's unknown. And then, no, actually, it's in the name, novel coronavirus. It's a coronavirus, which means the majority of the virus is it's a coronavirus. So we know the basics on a coronavirus. They all share similarities. So we should have already known that, you know, keeping your immune system up, doing, uh, you know, good diet, exercise. It's not just about your health and your physical body, right? It also helps your your uh, mental state as well, like exercise, for example, that helps you mentally just as much as it does physically. Uh, same with sunlight. Sunlight, there 
it's not just about vitamin D. There's also, you know, endorphins that are released from having that that extra sunshine. It, it helps uplift you a little bit, like your spirits, if you will. In the end, these lockdowns really weren't going to help, at least not for the healthy. I, I still am of the opinion that if you're at risk, like you're you're the elderly or, you know, you have Im- immunocompromised yourself, then I can understand the lockdowns or 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 taking greater precautions. But those of us that are healthy and uh, are taking um, the extra precautions of keeping ourselves healthy and supplements and everything, we should have never locked down. And that's what research is showing now. Yeah, I mean, you make an interesting point there about... Um about, you know, you need to be exercising and stuff like that. But they're they're uh, stopping people to do that. I mean, they're closing the gyms. Um, there, there's just one guy. I mean, I think he's in Jersey and he is fighting the, the state. The Atlas that, you know, the Atlas yeah. Gym. This the and, interesting thing on that. I, I, I'm, I'll let you continue. Interesting thing on that. They actually were able to reopen. They contacted the New Jersey state senator for their area. And because they were having such a hard time with uh, keeping the gym open with the uh, uh, the fight with Governor Phil Murphy up there, the New Jersey state senator of that area, who is a Republican, I might add, says that he has. Well, he's he's going to help the gym owners out. He took over the gym, the Atlas gym, and he made it his official campaign (laughs) reelection headquarters. So now they can't close it. (laughs) They can't shut it down. (laughs) I mean, it's just. Over here, over here in um in in uh, a lot of the states that I I've been to, I mean the, the gyms are open and they're not hassling them closing it down. And that's why I was like, I don't understand why they're hassling him to close his gym down. But I'm glad that his gym is open now, and probably I'll come by and take a visit. <laughs> I I was kind of you guys probably caught me laughing there while you were talking, Bruce. And and the reason I was laughing is because an article just popped up. Uh, an MSNBC analyst says that, and tr- uh, Bruce, you're going to love this. Trump committed second degree murder with his handling of the coronavirus. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure in the article they failed to mention that the CDC came out and said that 90, 93% of the uh, the positives of COVID-19 were actually false and that the deaths associated with uh, COVID, that only 6% of the actual deaths were COVID-19. Uh, I'm sure they failed to, to mention that. In, no, in no mention. Yeah, no, no mention yeah, of any of that. Yeah. No, no mm-hmm. mention of any of that. Yeah. Says here that the uh, uh, this is from uh, who is it? Uh, Glenn uh, Kirshner says that he feels as though President Trump committed second degree mur- murder with his handling of the pandemic. He said he was lying to the American people about the danger the virus posed. He was saying to Bob Woodward in very dramatic tones, "You know, this thing is airborne. Only you need to do. Only you need to do is breathe." near somebody who was infected and you're going to get it. Uh, he didn't tell the American people that. But what did he do? He refused to order the production of personal protective equipment. No, that, that's not true at all. That, that's not true at all. We had outsourced most of the production for our personal protective equipment. He spent his time trying to get it back and having businesses retool like Tesla, like the uh, the guy from MyPillow, Mike Lindell, right, to make masks. Musk was making ventilators. And I think there was a couple other businesses involved in there as well. Uh, on some on some things. And Bruce, didn't Kodak get involved in that as well? It, wasn't there something with Kodak? Kodak, um, they opened their own pharmaceutical brand. That was it. Yeah, that was it. But he says this man, this is his quote. He says this man has upped the criminal ante to second degree murder. And there are only two elements for second degree murder. The first is you cause the death of another. The second element is the intent element. And here's where it would otherwise get tricky if we didn't have Trump's incriminating admissions. Uh, so <laughs> he, um, he he's saying that Trump's guilty of second degree murder. I, I, I honestly this this doesn't surprise me coming out of the mainstream media. It does not surprise me at all. This just shows another grasping at a straw. What do you want the guy to do? Right. Even if it was you can't pin it on Trump. I don't care what anybody says. But what do you want the guy to do? If Obama was in there, what do you want him to do? Seriously, what do you want the guy to do? There was nothing more that he could have done. He did the things that he didn't want to do. He didn't want to close the economy down. He still doesn't want it closed. Do you remember Easter? Yeah. Does anybody remember Easter? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we were supposed to be. Yeah. We were supposed to be open by Easter. Oh, yes. Yeah, I got to go past Easter. Uh, well, I'm looking at my watch here. We're a little past Easter. We're going on Halloween. That's not going to be happening in Los Angeles. I don't think this is a clear grasp at a straw, Bruce. What do you think? Yeah. So what, what they're going after here is the uh, Woodward interview. And they're saying, oh, Trump admitted that he was downplaying it. And yeah, he did. He actually said, yes, I was downplaying it because I didn't want people to panic. He's like, 
he he was telling and Fauci the same thing. They they talked to Fauci about this, and Fauci's like uh, gave comment on it. And he's like, look, he said nothing different in, in front of the American people that he wasn't saying behind the scene. And in fact, what we were telling him, he was saying exactly what we were saying. So there's nothing here. They're grasping at straws. And it, the the time frame that you look when he this this uh, Woodward um, interview happened, it was in March. In March. That's what the the medical officials were saying is Fauci. We have recording of Fauci saying, "Look, the American people shouldn't really be concerned about this." I mean, you know, we're we're that not. Was in January. It's not. That, that was huge, in January. Yeah, that was in January. So it, it's a around that. Well, in March we had freaking Pelosi and the others saying, "Hey, come to Chinatown. Come come down here mm-hmm. and have some dim sum with us." You have know, a dim sum. I mean, yeah. so our officials were all saying that at the time that it, it it's not it's not that bad. You know, it's just the flu or around there and trump saying what he did yeah we know it would be like me saying during a flu season i'm playing it down like yeah i know people are dying from the flu it's no different right if trump played down the flu season people are dying yeah we know it it's same with the pandemic yeah we know people are dying but he downplayed it to keep people calm and keep them from panicking because huh what do you know they were saying it was about a a 0.3 percent fatality rate uh, back then, in the first estimates we heard uh, before, uh, you know, they were estimating what it would be after we got all the numbers and the and not case uh, fatality rate, but the infection fatality rate. And then what do you know? 0.26 is is what it is across the board, uh, you know, including all age ranges. So isn't it 0.026? I, I, no, it's 0.26, 0.26 because 26. it's including... Yeah, it's, it's oh, 0.26, including you. like the, the elderly and everything. If you exclude yep. the people that are in a retirement home, it's 0.04. I got you. OK, so qu- question there. You, you brought up Fauci and this this didn't dawn on me until uh, just a couple of nights ago. When Do you remember we were playing the clip of Cuomo blaming Trump for everything? Do you remember that? Yeah. 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 OK, he, mm-hmm. he was blaming he was blaming all that stuff on Trump about the breakout or outbreak in New York and and everything because Trump didn't do his job. Okay. But did you know something? Did you notice that Cuomo also bashed Fauci in that clip? I mean, he kind of gave him credit. Yeah. But uh, Bruce, did did you remember that? Did did you remember that? I I don't offhand now that you're saying that I I was I was too focused on me not liking Cuomo. Yeah, he was. Well, he was in the beginning. He was in the beginning. He was saying that, oh, you know, you need to listen to the, the NIH. You need to listen to the CDC and all this stuff. You need to take their advice. But then he comes out and he starts bashing Fauci. Now, Fauci's coming out in defense of Trump. Do you remember we saw that article a couple of days ago? We posted. We didn't talk about it about we, we threw it up there in the uh, in the office. And I said, wait a minute. Fauci is defending Trump. He, he came out he publicly mm-hmm. is, is defending Trump. Do you remember that? OK, yeah. Fauci has been sidelined by the White House. He's taken a back seat, but he's still running around all over the TV, all over mainstream media like he hasn't been sidelined. So do you think that they're trying to paint him in a negative light by the uh, the establishment politicians and the mainstream media in order for Trump to look at it on uh, the side of, well, they're all turning against him. I need to bring him back in now. Uh, well, I mean, based upon Fauci's their Gates Fauci's Gates is guy. Well, we see it all the time with the other stuff, right? Anything they try to find, anytime there's an official that comes out and has even a slightly different opinion than Trump, they're trying to use them to create a wedge in between that person and Trump and say, and, and they try to blow it out of proportion when in reality, they're, they, they just have slightly different opinions on the thing, right? And they're more or less saying about the same thing. It's just slightly different. So it, it, it honestly, it would not surprise me at this point. I, it wouldn't surprise me if the media was completely done with Fauci and just throw him to the curb because he's defending Trump now. So he's not fitting the narrative that they're trying to push that, oh, the, there's going to be another wave uh, that, that comes in and we're we're all going to die unless we we lock down. And because Fauci's not he's not supporting that. It's uh yeah, they, they just throw him to the curb. Find yeah, someone Col- else. Maybe go to Burks. Maybe she'll tell them how to bedazzle oh, their mask and maybe, oh, yeah. you know, Burks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're decorating their masks. Isn't that great? Uh, no, lady. We're trying to figure out if these things are actually working. And you're talking about playing dress up. <laughs> and like Fauci's already coming out saying, oh, the winter months are going to be hard. What did I say? What did I say? It's coming. It's coming. This, mm. The cold and flu season is where they're going to play the second wave card. We lose 
what we did, Bruce, didn't we look that up? Didn't the CDC numbers, we lose like 20,000 people a year to the flu. Isn't that right? Something yeah, like that. 20 to 30. Yeah. 20 to 30. Can you imagine what they're going to do? Because everything's COVID now. They're not counting flu deaths anymore. Can you imagine? Oh, we've lost 20,000 people to COVID. <laughs> I can see it coming already. I can see it coming a mile away. But there is good news. There is good news. I have to, I have to let you know. There's good news, Bruce, because I know that you've been a little upset that you you haven't been able to to do the types of things that Dr. Burks is talking about, about decorating your mask and, and all that stuff. And of course, you saw the new one, right, that, that's out now. Yeah. Yeah. This 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 yeah. nice one. Yeah, yeah. OK, so, mm-hmm. yes, there's even there's even more happy news around these um, face shields and masks. Right. Louis Vuitton. You guys knew who Louis Vuitton is right. The, the design of the handbag mm-hmm. designer, real expensive stuff. Yeah. Louis Vuitton has created a coronavirus-inspired face shield that's going to sell for just under $1,000. They're going to they're going to sell it for $961. Wow. And it is designed for people like you, Bruce, to fend off the virus in style. <laughs> So uh-huh. if you uh-huh. um, if you want to do this right, the Fashion House is launching a plastic face shield stamped with a signature Louis Vuitton uh, print for those uh, with a nine hundred and sixty one dollar pocketbook to splurge on the luxury personal protective equipment. They're saying that it didn't take long for face masks and PPE to become fashion. Now, see, what did I say? What did I say in the beginning of all this? They're going to make it a fashion statement. It's going to be like buying a new pair of shoes. And you notice now you see these new adverts. I, I know they're starting to pop up across different places. People having the mask on with whatever outfit they're wearing, they need to match. Right. So it's going to be it's going to be that they're going to do all this. They're going to be making it part of that new normal. So, Bruce, you want you want me to put your name down for pre-order for one of these things? I mean, you can do it in style. Uh, I'm, I'm actually looking for it to see what it looks like. And uh, the pictures right. I've seen so far is just it's it's just a mask. Like it's just it's up there. And me, honestly, for this uh, for this mask uh, that people are just selling these masks way too expensive. Uh, like you know, we 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 need to try to fight this virus. Apparently, if there if this virus is, is very very deadly, why they're selling these are so expensive? There, I mean, there's a lot of people that can't afford to buy these. And like even when the when people were going to Harbor Freight or all these stores and buying all these masks and people at the hospital need the mask and they, they don't have nothing to provide for them. Some of the nurses are, are wearing the same mask throughout the whole day. And and um, sometimes they can't even throw it away because they won't have a mask the following next day. Instead of everyone that selling these masks so expensive, they should try to help each other out with this uh, situation. What is uh, what? What's your take on these masks? Do you think that uh, because we we've had we've all got our own opinions. Everybody seems to have an opinion about a mask. So what what's your take, Alex? What what is your take on the general attitude of of people that you run into? What's your take on uh, all all of this um, this agenda to to push mask wearing? What what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think it's so? A, do you think it's it's causing more stress and more anxiety amongst people? So I think that like you're talking about wearing a mask. Well, that and and the fact that I, I don't know how much you've seen it or, or firsthand or if you're if you're seeing it out there, but we've seen multiple videos of, of people that go into public places like stores or whatnot, and they say, "Look, I'm just I'm not doing this. This is ridiculous." And they get videoed by other people. They get publicly shamed. They get ridiculed. They get thrown out of stores. And to your earlier point about unity, that's not helping. That's not helping. No, no. Um, I think that if it is that we need to be wearing our masks to go into public because of preventing someone to sneeze or cough on each other then yeah but if it's if you if you're just doing it because of your own right then i mean that that is that is up to you just make sure if you do sneeze or anything like that you don't sneeze on others but then then that's gonna that's gonna be kind of hard because you don't want to sneeze on your elbow or anything like that because you know you're you're still you might bump somebody else with your elbows and wearing a mask all the time too. It's not, it's not the best thing for you because you're breathing all your, your oxygen in and, and, you know, <laughs> especially if you're a bad smoker and stuff too, you're, you're breathing all that stuff back in it and it, it, it is not great, but I guess just to respect the rules and just uh, to don't have any issues. I mean, just if you, if you can just wear a mask, just go inside the, the grocery store or the or the gas station or wherever they they need it. I mean, there's it's very easy for you to just avoid trouble if you really want to. But if you're looking for trouble, I mean, you're you're going to find it. And I, I'm the type of person that I, I I rather avoid the trouble. But I I'm definitely I'm not a 
I've been told for many people, I'm, I'm not a follower. I'm more of a leader. And um, I didn't notice that until I got much older. What about um, how do you feel about like mass mandates? Having the government tell you you have to wear a mask in public. How do you feel about that? Um, that I, I honestly, I don't I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I it doesn't bother me, I guess. I don't let stuff like that bother me. Um, if I I think that it's just going to be way too hard for people to find other people for wearing masks because that's a lot of people. That means you're going to need a lot of cops out there to find a lot of people because there's there's going to be definitely not a lot of people are going to be wearing a mask. I mean, you go to the beach here in, in Los Angeles. I mean, there's tons of people out there not even wearing a mask. But I think that that it's going to be very hard if some if the government's trying to tell everybody to wear a mask. And if they don't, they're going to end up getting, I don't know, what is it a thousand dollars fine or something like that if you don't wear a mask? Uh, it depends on the area. Right now, uh, we just read an article coming out of uh, New York City. They are stopping people that use public transit. So such as subway riders, buses, uh, things like that. Uh, they're stopping anybody that doesn't have a face covering uh, and they're issuing $50 fines on the spot. Uh, I mean... Just put the mask. I mean, it's just you're just going to wear it just for a little bit. It's, it's, it's not like you're going to wear it all day. But the people that have to wear it all day, like, you know, the people working in factories or the people that work at McDonald's or, or stuff like that, they have to wear their mask all day. And I mean, that it kind of sucks for them because they they're they're breathing their oxygen all day and they don't have no way around that unless they just want to quit their job and find something else. that's not going to wear their mask, but you're going to have to regardless. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, what do you think about it? Well, uh, the reason I was asking is there's um, I don't know how much of the research you knew on this. That's that's kind of why I was asking. And uh, I'll, I'll give you some of the the research and what what they found related to masks. And then I'll ask you what your opinion is on it again. So the research has come out and shown uh, talking about the masks specifically related to COVID-19. COVID-19 has a micron rating of I'm wanting to say it's point one. And the masks themselves. This is this is the N95s, the one that the the medical team, you know, hospitals and stuff, the the, the medical professionals use. It only protects versus 0.3 microns. And then when you get to the cloth masks, it's 0.5, um, and then you know it just scales up uh, more and more from there. So in other words, the the virus itself, the masks do nothing for the virus itself. Um, outdoors, for example, exposure to sunlight for five seconds will kill uh, COVID nineteen. It, it, it is COVID. Uh, the the coronaviruses in general cannot survive in UV light. It just it completely obliterates them. Uh, five to ten seconds uh, for for all of them so far that we've tested. So knowing that, is it? Do you still think it's it's good for the government to mandate that you wear them? You know. In public, in any any atmosphere, like even even outside, if you want to go to the beach, you have to wear a mask. You know, uh, do you think it would still warrant doing that? I don't know. No, but I wear a mask for a different reason. I wear a mask because someone really close to me works in the medical field and I, I live with them every single day. And because of her, she you know, that's why I wear my mask, because she's the one that keeps telling me to. Yeah, um, fair, enough. fair enough. And yeah. Yeah, um, that that's. One of the things that we've kind of talked about on here is personally, I'm I'm not for having the government tell you you have to wear a mask and then putting some kind of legal, you know, like a fine or something on there that that's out of their constitutional purview, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if they want to put out a recommendation and say, hey, look, we recommend citizens wear it in these locations, especially indoors. Indoors is the main place that masks will do the best against um, like particulate matter. It, uh, so if you're you're speaking, it'll it'll catch you a little spittle and whatnot, and it'll keep you from transmitting it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Even even the clear, the new one, uh, face shields, um, those will do the same thing. Uh, but as far as the 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 virus itself it is able to go through the masks without any problem. So even if you are exposed to it and it hits the mask, if that particulate matter evaporates, uh, that virus will go straight through the mask. No problem. Yeah. Uh, so especially that's, that's, if you're not, if you're not washing your mask or. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I don't know if you notice it, like when you put the mask on and you go to a restaurant, you, you could smell all that, that yeah. food. I mean, you can even smell like some of the ingredients. Like, wow, I didn't even know yeah. they, they use that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, I I think it's best if we didn't wear the mask because I think it's 
I think we're we're selling ourselves to failure. And I mean, instead of them hassling us all the time, hey, you got to wear a mask, you got to wear a mask, or you're gonna get fined. How about they try to go over there and stop these people protesting all the damn time, uh, destroying people's property and stuff like that? How about they focus Agreed. on that instead of focusing on hassling people wearing masks? Because uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you guys thought about that. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, that uh, is a better agree. use of government. Yeah. Yeah. Go use our tax dollars that we're paying your salaries with and go stop this nonsense from from preventing us from making money to continue to pay your overpaid salaries. So, OK, <laughs> exactly. Um, we are we are over on time, gentlemen, but we're not too far out of realm here. But anyway, um, Alex, I want to thank you for coming on, man. It's been fascinating to sit down. It's great to meet you. Great to have you on. I hope that we didn't pressure you too much. I hope you uh, you weren't uncomfortable. And I think you kind of through this whole thing, you kind of gotten a little bit more comfortable and uh, you gotten into the groove of things. You didn't seem too out of um, out of place. What do you think? No, no, I'm a I'm a very social person. So I very adapt really easy. And um, this is uh, I don't know. I might look into this in the future. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I tell you what, you have an open forum here. Anytime you want to come back on, uh, you're welcome to come back anytime. It's been a real pleasure having you here. Thanks, sir. I appreciate you. For those of you who have not, you would like to please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. We love getting all of your likes, your echoes, your comments, your upvotes. You can follow me over there at Anderson 3 You can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us and you have not gotten on Parlor or you don't want to reach out to us via Parlor, you're more than welcome to drop us a email anytime you'd like at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends and family and known associates. We're trying to grow our audience here as much as possible. And we're trying to bring like-minded people together because right now, as our guest said this evening, it is more prevalent now than ever that we come together uh, and, and we solve these problems and have real meaningful discussion in and amongst people's circles. So if you could pass this along to friends, families, neighbors, known associates, we would greatly appreciate that. Also, if you're rating podcasts, we would humbly ask you to hop over to Apple Podcasts or any other respective platform you listen to us on and drop us a rating at your convenience. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce and Alex, thank you guys for your time tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.